Welcome to the Explore Purpose podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a life of meaning and purpose so that you can make a greater impact on the world around you. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host, and I'm excited to share this new content with you. I'm very grateful that you stopped by to listen today. Hey, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. This helps me reach more people and hopefully inspires them to live a life of purpose and meaning. The more people who live with purpose, then the more we can have an impact on the world for good. Thanks for sharing it and thanks for subscribing. So how have you discovered your purpose? What is it that drives you and motivates you to do what you do? What makes you happy? Is this the same thing as your purpose? These are a few of the things I'll talk about today with my guest. Joe Duke is the founding and senior pastor of LifePoint Church, located just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Joe's passion is leading and teaching, and he especially enjoys helping people experience Jesus and church in authentic and creative ways. Joe has also been a professional photographer for more than 30 years, a passion that continues to this day. And when Joe is not involved in the daily routine of church ministry, he's likely to be staring down a grizzly bear in Alaska or photographing morning light as it hits the peaks of the Colorado Rockies. Or more recently, he's been capturing photos of his grandkids. Joe and I have been friends for a number of years and I'm honored to have him on the program today. He really is an amazing photographer, so be sure to check out his Instagram page. I'll link to it in the show notes. Joe recently announced his retirement plans at the church, and here on the program, he talks about what that means for his purpose. So here's my conversation with Pastor Joe Duke. Well, Joe Duke, welcome to the Explore Purpose podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Conrad. Happy to be here. So it's been a while since we were together in person, but uh, you and I have uh, been friends for a little while. Yes, we have. Just for our audience sake, Kind of tell me, who is Joe Duke? Wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, so I was, um, I was raised in the South, raised in Georgia, uh, a family of, you know, an incredible family, loving family, those kinds of things. Two younger sisters uh, ended up uh, meeting my wife in college. She's from Louisiana. We've been married, just celebrated 42 years, which is, it's hard to even wow, comprehend. congratulations. But yeah, Tricia is a nurse practitioner. Uh, I'm a senior pastor at LifePoint Church. So that a lot of my uh, identity, right or wrong, is wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. But just uh, love that adventure and journey of what it means to do that. So, And, I know, and you and I have some other things in common. You're also a photographer. I am, yeah. I did it professionally for many years. Just loved it. Um, it, and even to this day, a little bit of a side hustle, but I have, uh, it's kind of my getaway from ministry, to be honest with you. Mm. And so for years I've done uh, nature and wildlife, did that for many years, sort of switched to street photography as I traveled the world more. We have five grandkids, so they, they've become my <laughs> new wildlife. <laughs> uh, but I love it. I love uh, art. I'm probably an artist at heart. Uh, you know, even the things related to ministry, I approach somewhat from an artistic standpoint in starting a church, you know, taking something Mm -hmm. that wasn't and building it. Uh, We've built lots of buildings on a huge campus over the years. I've enjoyed that and just building into people. So it's, um, you know, again, that that little thread of artistry runs through me. I I love it. It's a it's a very fulfilling. Mm. So how did you get to where you are today? 
Well, I attended um, Dallas Seminary for my master's work. And then uh, there were a few people who had gone before me who were Dallas grads who had moved to the East Coast, and they had this idea of starting churches up the East Coast. And so one thing led to another, uh, met with uh, some folks in the Baltimore area, and then uh, on a week-long trip. And then my last day of that visit, I found out there was a core group of about 20, 25 people that wanted to start a church. And so one thing led to another. I ended up connecting with that group. And before we knew it, we, Trish and I, with our two young boys, they were two and four at the time, were raising support, moving to Maryland from Dallas. And uh, the rest is history. It's just been an incredible ride. <laughs> so what initially inspired you? I know you come from a background, your family has you know, background in the legal professions and what inspired you to go to seminary? Yeah, that, you know, is really interesting because I was pressured. I do come from a family of lawyers. So my, uh, you know, uncles, grandfather, that kind of thing, all attorneys. My dad was uh, actually appointed by Jimmy Carter when Carter was governor of Georgia. He was appointed as district attorney and then later as a superior court judge. So I grew up in the whole legal field, uh, mm. even considered it as a profession. But I, I say now, you know, the, you know, the legal world is too filled with conflict. So I decided to go into church ministry because there's absolutely no conflict. <laughs> there's, <there>. no conflict <laughs> there. <laughs> there's no conflict there. That's a joke for those of you not in church world. Um, but uh, it, I guess I, I guess I would just say there was this a thing inside my heart early on as a teenager that just made sense to me to pursue ministry. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant mm. teaching in a college of some kind or doing pastoral ministry. Um, so it's, you know, I went to Asbury College, uh, got a degree in Bible there. Later uh, was a, an associate pastor a couple of years in Florida, and then later went to Dallas Seminary for a master's work. Uh, and so it's just kind of, you know, you know how life goes one, mm. one step in front of the other and you end up going, wow, okay, this feels like the right thing. And that's how it was for me. So on your side hustle, how did you get into photography? That's a great question. I remember uh, somebody was asking me this a few days ago. They said, you know, hey, when did you when did you start photography? And my best recollection is when I was about 16, I got my first real camera, you know, mm, SLR yeah. at the time. Of course, mm -hmm. no digital around back then. Film, uh, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It's all film. Uh, and I remember my first experience in um high school, I got the keys to the dark room, the school dark room. Hmm. Didn't even know what I was doing, but had enough knowledge to go, okay, I think you do this. I think you do this. And you mix this developer and fixer and you wash the prints and all that. I'll never forget that first print coming yeah. up in the tray. And it's like, wow, you know, I was hooked. Hmm. And so for me, it, it, it became this passion, this excitement, um, you know, done so many photographs, published in magazines and all that kind of stuff. I, and I, I just, I love it. I love, I love creating, you know, having mm. that, that, uh, eye toward artistry, as you know, and then, um, mm. you know, seeing the, the end product. Um, it's really cool. So what's been a, and you probably have many, but what's been a favorite photograph that you've taken? Wow. Well, if I could show you, it's probably that one on the wall right behind me there. It's a huge panoramic shot with a with a film camera but a 617 negative which is a large it's a negative about this size which allows you to blow up really big mm. and the photo is in uh wyoming of the uh, grand tetons and so mm. it's just uh but there have been so many over the years you know i've traveled to alaska 
seven times, I think it is. So just a wow. great place for scenics. Wildlife is just incredible there. Uh, but then started traveling. Uh, my younger son and his family lived uh, in North Africa for eight years. So we would go mm. see them once a year. And of course, so close to Europe, we would take mm. the quick hop, you know, to sure. uh, France or Spain or wherever. Um, so it became this sort of obsession with uh, street photography and mm. these places, kind of travel photography. Uh, and that became very exciting, too. So how does your photography and your ministry, how are they similar and how are they, how are they different? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the creative aspect, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I often say I'm a frustrated artist, you know, so, uh, <laughs> the creative aspect obviously can enter just about any world. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, so that idea of, uh, taking something or making something, uh, just as in photography, is also true in ministry. I alluded a few minutes ago to, you know, we've uh, in, just in starting a church, creating mm -hmm. something sort of from nothing. Uh, and then, of course, building out a campus over the years, those kinds of things have, have been part of the creative aspect. But then, uh, you know, of course, the weekly rhythm of sermon preparation and doing that in, in series and graphics and all of that associated with it. Our church is highly creative uh, mm -hmm. anyway. And so that's sort of part of our thumbprint. Uh, so it, you know, it transitions very well. And I, and I think, I think God has created every person to be creative. You know, I know I've known a lot of people that say, well, I can't do this or I'm not creative. And I say, yeah, you really are. Uh, it's just a matter of degree or where you pour that energy. But I think that's uh, inside of us is sort of one of the reflections of who God's made us to be. Mm. So thinking of your personal journey, you you know, were young, you were into photography when you were in your teenager, you know, teenage years, that kind of was a discovery. Then you decided to go off to, to a, you know, Bible college, basically, and then to seminary. So how does your, that personal journey impact your purpose? Or, or where did you discover your purpose in that journey? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I, I don't know how it is for most people. I know for me, it's not like you climb the mountaintop and come back mm -hmm. with your purpose. Or the writing does, on the on the on exactly the sky. right. You're in the clouds <laughs> or whatever. It does. It does seem to be a process. And and uh, as I said, even as a teenager, there was this thing being stirred up in me that that was pointing me toward uh, ministry. I feel like, uh, and then that gets sort of confirmed along the way. I, I'm I'm of the opinion too that there are no wasted experiences in life. Hmm. You know, so even the things that we wish had never happened, the, the things that were painful to us or uh, whatever, they they can be redeemed. You know, there is a, a kind of purpose in that. And so, you know, as, as I started, you know, living my life and exploring what I wanted to do and all that, you, you just begin to kind of get in a groove of this is satisfying and fulfilling, you know, when I do this or when this happens. And so that, that, that was part of the journey for me. Hmm. Today, what motivates you to do what you do? Well, I think, um, you know, without getting too hyper-spiritual on the deal, I, I really believe, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a theist, I'm a believer in God. And of course, with that comes a sense of purpose from him. And so I think, uh, you know, I, I had to face years ago, with the whole, am I going into to being an attorney or whatever it might be, uh, or going into ministry? And even to this day, uh, there is an absolute return to what is success. Mm -hmm. Like eventually, you have to get to the point, every person has to get to the point where we're clearly defining success. And I think it's really mushy. 
in our day and age. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly if you do a random survey on sidewalk, you're probably going to get the typical answer is, you know, money or respect or notoriety. I mean, we live in such a social media driven culture. Mm-hmm. There's this pay attention to me kind of thing. I have a million and, followers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Likes and followers, which is, you know, kind of sad to, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. yeah. but you know, we have to wrestle that thing to the ground. Eventually mm-hmm. we have to, in our own hearts, define what does it mean for me to be successful? And, uh, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people that have, they're prominent and they even have a lot of money. And yet it, there, there's not a sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. There's not a sense of purpose in their lives uh, mm-hmm. because those things alone don't provide purpose. There mm-hmm. needs to be something driving us inside of us. That's, that's bigger than, than ourselves. And, you know, to be able to get to the end of our lives and go, you know, I, I wasn't perfect. I, I didn't, do everything right or like I was supposed to, but to have some sense of, you know, I, I succeeded at, at living the one life that I have. Mm-hmm. So has your purpose or mission, and maybe those two are different, have they changed over the years? And, and if so, why? You know, um, I think, you know, as even as the children, right? It, it, you ask a kid, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's just one of the exciting questions and you can, you know, watch their eyes light up and, you know, some will say, well, I want to be a teacher or a fireman or a little girl might say, I want to be a mom. You know, we do this with our grandkids. It's so fun mm-hmm. to hear the, uh, hear the responses. And, you know, I look back when, when I was a kid, I mean, I had answers from everything from an astronaut to a secret agent to a whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm no longer those things. I'm not using my pastoral ministry as a cover because I work for the CIA, <laughs> but, um, which may but, have been done already, <laughs> which probably has been done somewhere sometime. Uh, I like to say, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose mm. and you, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. Um, and, and I think with, with me, uh, at my age now, um, you know, it, it's easy to think, well, you're, you're kind of on the way I think about it is, you know, there's this ball and when it reaches the pinnacle of the roof, it people say, wow, it just my la- last few years have just gone so fast because the ball's rolling down the other <laughs> side of the roof. Right. And so um, it's it's sometimes, I think, hard to uh, to keep that purpose alive. But I would say my overall purpose, if I had to kind of define it again in a general term is my, you know, my goal is to is to please God is to invest my life in a way that makes a difference in the lives of difference in the lives of other people. And I think anybody searching for a purpose, eventually there, there needs to be some sense of joy and fulfillment and aptitude at what it is you want to do. But in that mix somewhere, I'm firmly convinced it, it needs to be about helping other people. Mm-hmm. How can my purpose I mean, again, without sounding melodramatic, how can my purpose make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. How, how can what I have to contribute in, in the one life that, that I live, how can that make a difference? And uh, I think it's, it's just very important. And uh, again, a little different maybe mm-hmm. in our sort of self-absorbed world. But mm-hmm. Do you think sometimes we you know, hear that phrase, I want to make the world a better place or you know, I want to impact the world? Do you think Sometimes we hear those phrases and we get like, oh, I can't do that. That's a huge thing. But we forget that we can impact the person next to us. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and I think it starts with, you know, it starts with where you live. The world's a big place, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a little suspicious of anybody who starts by saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to change the world. Hmm. Well, what are you doing in your town or what are you doing with those mm-hmm. closest to you? Because that's uh, super important. And I, I, it's a little bit like the guys that said, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So you, we're not in many ways, I'm of the conviction, we're not really responsible sometimes for the outcomes. We're mm-hmm. just responsible to be faithful in the investment of our lives and our talents and our gifts in, uh, you know, doing what it is we feel our purpose is. Mm-hmm. So what are the, the principles that drive you to fulfill that purpose? Well, there, there's several, I think. Um, there's, a, there's a proverb in the uh, Old Testament about midway through the Bible, which is kind of a book of wisdom, little short sayings. And Proverbs 14, 23 says, all hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And so there's a sense in which, um, I don't know how many of your listeners have uh, taken the Enneagram. It, it, you know, it's a pretty helpful um, sort of personality or temperament mm-hmm. device. Um, you know, I'm a number three on the Enneagram, which is my dysfunction is I'm pushed to achieve and succeed and all those <laughs> things. And so, uh, you know, diligence is woven into who I am. I want to be a, a diligent uh, person. Um, so that I think that's one of the things that drives me and that expire, you know, inspires me. Um, and, you know, we were talking about the world being a big place and all that. I do feel like, uh, you know, each of us is only responsible to bring our best self to, to bear. And that means that we get to know who we are. It, it, you know, self-discovery is one of the most exciting journeys in life. You know, whether you're a, you know, a person who believes in God or not, you know, why am, why am I here? What is there? Uh, how am I wired? How, how have I been created? And um, I think in contrast to that, uh, comparison kills. Mm. It just does. And yet we're set up in our culture to, I think, instinctively compare ourselves, try to, try to rate my progress alongside the progress of, of somebody else. And so one of the things that drives me and inspires me and motivates me is to, is to continue to discover who, who am I? Like, regardless of you know, the person next to me or the person who I see on social media or on television or, you know, wherever, uh, you know, who am I created to be rather than getting distracted by, you know, comparing myself with others, because there's just, there's a dead end street with comparison. You know, I I say comparison is a saboteur of joy. Uh, it, it just takes it from us. In all your travels, and I know you've been to a lot of places, like you mentioned, have you seen people in different cultures that may face, that may approach purpose and meaning in their life in a different way? Is our, our American culture one way and other cultures like in Northern Africa or in, or in Asia or Europe? Yeah. Do, do they yeah, look I at think, it differently? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, I don't know if you've seen or your listeners have seen the, uh, there's several videos on Netflix and other of the streaming services talking about happiness. and. Um, you know, I think in some sense, happiness is sort of combined with purpose, although I think happiness has become a kind of God in our culture. You know, many people think they're alive just to be happy. Well, I think life is much bigger than that, even though well, it's in our constitution. Right. right the, so. In the Declaration of Independence. So. <laughs> yeah, Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Right. Um, pursuit of happiness. <laughs> exactly. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But I, I do think that if you look around the world, 
the things that we tend to think make us happy in our American culture are not really the things that make people happy. Mm. So, so many studies have been done showing that, you know, you can have very little materially and yet still be a happy person. And mm. that that's profound. I think it forces us back to what really matters in life. And the studies indicate that, you know, it's the, it's the people around us, the people that we love, some sense of purpose, some sense of meaning. What am I here for? How am I contributing to that? You know, apart from all the, you know, top, you know, five things we as Americans might put on our list. Uh, and so I, th- I think that really contributes to, you know, helping us make sense out of life. Was there a moment in your life where you had an experience that really confirmed that this is, this is why I'm here. This is, this is why I was put here on this earth. Yeah. I don't know a single experience. I think there's probably a series of experiences over, over the years. Um, and I, you know, I think sometimes when you have a sense that your life is making a difference or, you know, for me, it could be, you know, leading um, a couple thousand people or whatever in this thing called church. It could be speaking or teaching or talking to a group about a particular thing. And then when you, when you see those things or your contribution resonating with people, you know, that feels really good. And, and you come away thinking, man, that's, yeah, it feels good. I, I often tell people this, I, I think as grandiose as it may sound, I think we, sh- we should be able to, to do things, identify things in our lives, and then to be able to say, this is why I was born. Mm. I, I think we can know that. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it requires practice and experimentation and, you know, you dabble in this over here and okay, that, that had a pretty good effect. It wasn't really fulfilling. And then you go here and yeah, I think that is sometimes, you know, we're going in and out of it, but I, I think we can, it would be sad to me if we had to go through life clueless mm. about why we're alive. Mm. That, that just doesn't, you know, make a lot of sense to me. And I think there's a lot of people that are probably at, the, at that place. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there's a monotony associated with life. You know, you get up, you go to work, do your thing, you come back, you watch a little TV, then you go to sleep and you do it all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully there's more to life than that. Right. And um, yeah, and I, and I think we, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, no matter where you are in life, uh, perhaps maybe when you get a little older, those, those struggles become real and apparent. And, uh, we do ourselves a disservice when we don't talk about that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but to be honest and to grapple with life as it really is. Mm -hmm. Do you have some kind of a daily or weekly practice that kind of keeps you focused and and centered on your purpose? You know, I, I, you know, turn to God again, because I'm a believer in God. And so I just say, God, you know, will you help me today? Will you, help me uh, know what it is you want me to do. Uh, and of course, God communicates us to us through the scriptures as well, I believe. Um, I'm a, you know, just practically, I'm a, I'm a list maker. I'm a to-do list maker. Um, yeah, I realized years ago, I was so addicted to a to-do list that if I did something that wasn't on my to-do list, I would add it to my to-do list just for the satisfaction <laughs> of checking it off. <laughs> I, I think I've done the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, people like us need therapy, I'll tell you that right, right now. <laughs> but there's something fulfilling about accomplishment mm-hmm. and, you know, getting that getting that done. So so I, uh, you know, try to approach my day uh, with that perspective. And then 
you know, leave, leave room for, I would call it serendipitous interruptions. Mm. Um, I sometimes describe myself as a recovering control freak <laughs> and uh, <laughs> control is an illusion. And as soon as we hold tightly to something, it will be jerked out from under us just mm-hmm. to, uh, magnify or demonstrate that point. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's elusive. And, um, you know, if, if we're holding on so tightly to, I have to be in control, I have to be in control. It's just a matter of time before we're going to either fall flat on our faces or something is going to happen to remind us that we're absolutely not in control. Mm. So as a leader, and you've been a leader for a long time uh, in your church and other other places, what are some of those big life lessons you've learned along the way in, in, in leadership and also in, in your personal life? Yeah, gosh, there's so many. In fact, I keep a little running thing on my on my phone. I use Evernote, and I started years ago this practice of writing down um, the well. The title I call it is uh, "Lessons on Life and Leadership." And um, as I experience things or learn things, mostly the hard way, mm-hmm. I'll jot these little one sentence or phrases down on this list. I'm probably up to. Uh, maybe almost a hundred now over the years, but uh, like I just turned to the list, like for example, um, these are lessons on life and leadership that I've learned or lived the hard way um, in random order. So it's okay not to defend yourself. Every human hero is flawed. Uh, You'll always be opposed by someone. Growing requires slowing. Hmm. Growing takes unlearning. Uh, another one, don't play the game of image management again, kind of countercultural, but, uh, just, you know, really important. I think here's one that I, I've learned the hard way. And, uh, I, I firmly believe it's true. It's impossible to grow apart from pain. Mm. So, so many of us are, uh, have a vested interest in running as far away from pain as we can, but pain is part of life. I like this one as well. I wrote years ago, gratitude releases disproportionate power. So there's something powerful about gratitude and it's disproportionate. All that we have to do is get in a mindset of being uh, grateful. Um, and it's, you know, to that point, there's so many people that I've listened to on podcasts and books I've read that, you know, have, have shared how even science has, has proven that. Yeah. That gratitude yeah. changes something in your mind, in your brain. Yeah. That, it's a physiological thing for sure. It, you know, it, it, it uh, reroutes, as they say, the neuro pathways in our, in our brains, you know, we can carve ruts over years. I've carved a few ruts in my own brain (laughs) over the years with negative thinking. Uh, and it, it, there is, you're right, a physiological kind of thing. So, I mean, it's looking over the list here. One of the the other things I wrote down was that ambition is both a motivator and a monster. (laughs) We have to be very careful about what, you know, ambition uh, does in us. Um, has that been uh, a challenge in your life? Well, it absolutely has, because again, not only a three in the Enneagram, but a firstborn and, you know, I sort of was raised to achieve and to succeed and all those kinds of things. And, you know, when you get to a situation like I'm in with, you know, a large group of people that you, you can't control, nor is it my goal Mm -hmm. to control them. um, Yeah, then, then it, you know, there are things again, back to my, what I was saying about success, <clears throat> you know, um, we, we better be really careful how we define success or we just set ourselves up for just amazing disappointment and ambition is part of that. I mean, mm. and again, but it, it can be, 
a wonderful thing or it can come back and bite you on the backside. Uh, you know, it's, we just have to be very careful about it. Hmm. And I know you, in, in your stage of life, you announced a, a while back that you're planning a, a retirement uh, a program or plan for you to uh, step out of ministry there at, at LifePoint. And, and how does that, how does your retirement plan um, play in the role of, of your purpose? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I think I would start by answering it with, um, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm retiring. Uh, I, I'm, I view it as more as being redeployed mm-hmm. and, um, obviously I've never retired before, so I'm sure it may be a wonderful thing, but you know, so work is a wonderful thing too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not looking to disengage from life and not work and just sit on the beach or collect seashells. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to continue to make a contribution you know, we've all heard the horror stories of the guy who retires and six months later, he's dead. Yeah. And I would suggest in some of those cases, it's because, you know, that person lost sight of purpose in life. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think we can fully function as human beings without purpose and without meaning. And so mm-hmm. for me, uh, you know, having started the church, uh, you know, at this point, 30, 34 or so years ago with a handful of people who were also co-founders, um, it just feels like it's been a great run. It's been an awesome experience and investment of my life. Um, but I, but I think as I approach this next season, you know, I'm excited about whatever that next stage might be. And, uh, it's still a little unclear for me, but the timing seems right. And so I approach it with our church and with the leaders in our church to, to, you know, do, um, give a, give a heads up an adequate heads up. Uh, and so for me, that's, uh, a, we've allowed a year for a search for my successor and then a, a little overlap up to a year, but probably won't need that much to, uh, work in tandem with that person. And then I'll step away and the church has graciously given me a, a year sabbatical. Uh, and then after that, you know, who knows? I mean, everything from, I want to continue to do ministry in some form. I've considered starting a, like a nonprofit that would help, uh, in some way, um, you know, so just mm. lots of possibilities, but again, only kind of one step at a time, but I don't have it all uh, figured out. I'm actually a little mm. suspicious of people that have the five-year plan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mostly because my, mine has never worked out quite like that. So I'm all for planning, but we have to, we have to hold it loosely. Does it scare you to, to look at the future and know this is not what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it, it's a, that's a good word. <laughs> when people have asked me that same question, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty risky for us to uh, move from Dallas, Texas to Maryland to start a church with 25 people or so with no guarantees. You know, we raised support. We went to people and said, hey, we, we think we can have this thing up and running in about 18 months. Would you jump in and support us financially for that period of time? And, and they did that. Uh, but, but, um, I don't, I don't think we fully comprehended the risk. You know, the stats are something like 70% of all church starts, you know, fail after two years or whatever it is. Uh, but it may have been because I was 29. And so I was invincible at 29. <laughs> didn't know any better. So, right, I didn't know any better. <laughs> I didn't know to be scared, but uh, it's interesting you should use that word because as I think about this next stage of my life, um, it, I'm approaching it with with uh, exhilaration and sheer terror all at the same time, <laughs> because it is so uncertain. And I, 
probably in a dysfunctional way, have much of my identity wrapped up uh, in our church and as the leader and the pastor of our church. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, I have several steps that I'm taking to wean myself uh, away from that, you know, not the least of which is handing things over to people, uh, getting counseling, you know, like ministry detox counseling uh, mm-hmm. that I think would be helpful in sort of reaffirming my identity for this next stage. I like to think about it as, uh, you know, the last third, uh, and let's make it kind of a renaissance, mm-hmm. uh, and a, and a renewal. And so that's my hope. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in the, in the church world in general, that th- this isn't the norm? Many pastors and leaders in churches maybe don't have a, a plan like this. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, when I started thinking about it, um, you know, and got counsel from several people, probably about seven years ago was when I first started thinking about succession and my departure and those kinds of things. There was very little written on it. And I think it's because, you know, most, most churches and most pastors just put their hands over their ears and say, la, 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 I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, that's really unfortunate. Um, because, you know, the research that's out there shows there are examples of, of churches, businesses for that matter, that have done succession very well and some that have been disastrous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I didn't want to be numbered among the disastrous exchanges mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, succession. And so that's one of the reasons. I think it just takes time to do it right and, you know, to give all of our folks that call our church home a heads up and let them know what's coming and to keep them informed, uh, you know, rather than just saying bye and be gone the next week. Mm -hmm. And, and one benefit, uh, many benefits, but you're going to have more time with your grandkids. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Are they local or they are, I know some of them are in Colorado. We have two sons. uh, Our two sons are, uh, one son is in Colorado and we, we have three grandsons there with he and his wife. And then uh, our younger son is in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. And they have two uh, girls. So we have two, uh, two granddaughters in uh, North Carolina. We're just discovering the joy of grandkids. We have Nothing our first like grand, our, our granddaughter. She's uh, nine months, almost 10 months old. Yeah. Congratulations. And then we have uh, another one on the way. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. There's nothing Very like exciting. it. I, I say, you know, we were ambushed by love, you know, it, it, <laughs> uh, and you hear about it, you know, growing up, how great it is to be a grandparent, but it, there's just nothing like it. I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. So what's the practical thing that someone who's like k- kind of in that journey of exploring their purpose or of discovering their purpose, what's something practical that we can do to discover our purpose? Yeah, that's, that's good, Conrad. I think, um, you got to start with affirming that you you must have a purpose hmm. rather than just existing uh you know before you can plot some sort of course don't just take it for granted that you believe that so you have to revisit this idea that you know what um i believe human beings are to have purpose and go ahead and sit in that for a while and affirm that in your own life and go, okay, let's start there. And then I would, I would say a couple of things by way of just practical application. Um, you know, feel free to experiment with discovering your purpose. So, so feel free to try things and to assess several things, to assess the effectiveness of the contribution that you've attempted to make, to assess the joy and personal fulfillment 
once you step into that arena and then to assess through feedback through those that are closest to you, trusted friends, not people taking pot shots on the on social media, mm-hmm. um, what they thought of your contribution. And, uh, you know, you can, you can dip your toe into lots of different little ponds just with that strategy. You can try different things and you can find fulfillment uh, or not. And you can, you know, see how you've done. And then in somewhere in there, you, you begin to get focused or sharpen the end of the spear, as we might call it. Because I do believe our, our greatest contribution is made in specific areas. We, we can't be all things mm-hmm. uh, to everyone. We can't, you know, the, the ship is sailed for me to play in the NFL. That's probably not going to happen <laughs> uh, or be a fighter pilot. Okay. Those, those <laughs> things are gone. So just by nature of progressing through life, the options become, um, you know, fewer, but you can still, I think our maximum contribution is in the area of our strength and our giftedness. And if we can't be everything to everyone, then focus on, you know, who are we and where, where can we make the best contribution in the world? what's fulfilling to us, what's helpful to other people. That would be my suggestion. Mm. So in, in wrapping up, what's the future look like for you? Well, you know, as we talked about, I have a, I have a succession plan on the books and we're moving uh, toward that. Um, you know, just, just loving life. I think with each passing year, you know, you realize uh, the Stoics used to talk about how, um, you know, you, it does us a favor if we ponder that our lives are finite, you know, that we're, we're all going to die one day rather than being something morbid. uh, It can actually motivate us to invest the time that we have in this one life, one, you know, one single life. uh, And that's not trivial to think about. And so for me, I I think it's, again, um, I don't want to just retire and sit on a beach. I, I want to continue to contribute. So I'm excited about discovering, what that is, not having it all figured out totally, some contribution, uh, you know, in the area of, of uh, personal growth and the grace of God and those kinds of things are very powerful. Um, it, it um, you know, as an avocation or maybe even a continued vocation, the whole photography piece and creating and art is, is meaningful. And then, like you say, time to spend with grandkids. But um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I want to continue to work and contribute and, and uh, you know, discover and rediscover fresh purposes in life. Mm, Very cool. So what's a place, a location in the world that you would love to go to photograph? Wow. That's a great question. Um, My mind is automatically going to places that I've been and trying to compare, you know, so Alaska's huge, been to Iceland. That's an amazing place. Uh, Did you see the new, the volcano that's been, yeah, it's pretty cool. We've been watching that on YouTube almost every night. I get an update. That's amazing. And and I have some photographer folks that I know that just happened to be there at that time. Mm. I mean, you know, you can imagine, and you know, even the drone shots and all of that was, was just remarkable. That's an otherworldly play. You feel like you're stepping on another planet. Mm. Uh, It's beautiful. (laughs) I think, um, you know, probably uh, Asia would be a, a cool, you know, trip especially when I think about street photography and, you know, capturing Mm -hmm. cultures. And, you know, when, when you talk about photography, you use words like texture and, you know, (laughs) composition and all that. So I think that, that would be, uh, that that would be a lot of fun. Have you been to Asia? I have not. uh, I've been to Australia, but I have not been to uh, Asia proper. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's on my list. In fact, I have uh, 
actually David Baldwin's son has yeah. the resorts in Tulunas Beach yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. And that's one location that I've been wanting to go to. And, oh, yeah. and he's, he's invited me to come, but uh, we just never have made it happen yet. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping to, uh, and this is kind of off topic, but I'm hoping to use that as one of our trips that we offer for this new business venture. That's that fantastic. And, uh, and spend some time there. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I've been, I had a chance to go to India one time and actually got a, like a 10 year visa to go. And then that fell through. Okay. And it was actually, I was going to be invited to come do some work with a pastor's conference uh, in the far, let's see, far Eastern part of India, okay. I think it was. And it, I was like, it's going to you know fly into like, uh, I think Bangalore and take a, yeah. like a 12 hour train ride, you know, up into the mountains and right. but that fell through then. So I was pretty disappointed. Wow. Gosh. Well, let me know if it happens, man. I'll tag along with you. I'll carry your, I'll carry your bags. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I have a, there's a chance that I might be doing some travel maybe next year. Uh, there's an organization that I'm doing some video work for that it, it's an agricultural think tank. Yeah. And they want to do 12 videos of, of agriculture around the world and includes like Australia and places in Europe and Africa and Asia, like wow. Vietnam places like that. So I don't know, fingers crossed. Yeah, man, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love combining the trips too. You know, like I several years ago uh, spoke to a group of Christian leaders in Rwanda uh, and at the same time was able to go hike to see the mountain gorillas, you know, so anytime Mm, I can combine those trips, my two passions of helping people understand life and then, you know, the beauty of nature or photography. Yeah. Well, Joe, it's been a real privilege and honor to have you on the show, on the program. And thank you for sharing your bits of wisdom about discovering purpose. Yeah. Thank you, Conrad. I've enjoyed being with you. Joe, thanks for taking time to share your purpose journey. I'm excited to see where God leads you and Tricia. And one of these days, I want to go on a photography expedition with you. Let's make that happen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show, and I'd love to hear how you are living out your purpose. And be sure to follow us on all the socials. Check out the links in the show notes. And hey, be sure to check out my Monday Motivation podcasts that are in between my interview podcast. So every other week, I post a podcast with an interview, like the one that you heard today. But the weeks in between on Monday, I post a shorter podcast that's just me talking about something that we that I learned in the past week. It's very short, sometimes three, sometimes five minutes. So make sure you check out my Monday motivation episodes in the weeks in between my interviews. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're on YouTube. And until next time, go out and make an impact by living life with purpose and meaning. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you again next time on the Explore Purpose podcast.